Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at GPC, we want you to know God, love people, and live sent. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. If you want to learn more about Grace Point, head over to gracepointchurch.net. And now, this week's message. Hello, good morning, Grace Point family. My name is Scott Walnoffer. I have the privilege of reading uh, the Word of God this morning. We are going to read Psalms 139, 23 through 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. This is the Word of God. Scott, I want us to read that verse. Can you pop that back up there again? Just a short two verses. I want us to read it out loud together. Ready? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in your everlasting way. Father God, this is our prayer this morning. It should be our prayer every morning of every day that we live. That God, we would know you so well, you would know us so well. That Father, we would be in this beautiful, intimate, connected, known and fully known and fully loved relationship with you. And so Father, I pray today that you'll search us. That you'll try us. That you will see us, that you will lead us in your way everlasting. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Y'all can be seated. All right. Welcome, welcome. I've been gone for a couple of weeks. I want to say thank you, church, for giving me the honor and privilege of stepping away every year for a couple of Sundays and a week in there that I pull pull aside, disconnect from the rest of the world and listen to where God is leading us. And I just got back from being in Greece, um, uh, Athens, Greece, and feel like it's been probably my most productive study week uh, of uh, ever, maybe since I've been doing these over the past 10 years. And so I want to thank you for your prayers. And I want to say I am very excited about where God's leading us into the coming year. That while I was in Greece, I was able to be there for our Greece team that came over and was with them for just a couple of days as they have been serving uh, among an Arabic camp. We have been working in Greece for, I don't know, five or six years now. And we've been working with refugees during the refugee crisis of the Arab Spring and all that happened all across North Africa, all across the uh, the Middle East and Syria, war-torn Syria. People were traveling from Turkey, making it to Greece. And we have a, a ministry partner there that we've been working with. And our team, uh, teenagers and some adults, have been there working and serving in incredibly hot temperatures, like 107, 105 degrees, giving an Arab camp. And here's what happens. You go and you go to serve, but God ends up blessing you. You're going to be a blessing and God ends up blessing you. 
Here's just one photo that came in from one of our teens, uh, Reagan, this, this past week. This is what happens. You fall in the arms of, a, uh, of other people and they fall into your arms and there's a connection that is made. And if there's a picture's worth a thousand words, this picture's worth 10,000 words. Whenever you just look at it, whenever you open yourself up to people who are far from God, who don't know God, have had a chance to hear from God, and come from maybe re- places and countries in the world that have never heard of Jesus. It's so awesome to be able to be uh, the hands and the feet of Jesus and the voice and the mouth of Jesus and to be able to speak into that. So I want to pray for that team. They're in route right now across the big pond, coming from Amsterdam uh, into St. Paul and then in here, Northwest Arkansas, later on today. Pray for them uh, and the work that God has done. Pray that they get rest. Pray that they find a cold drink whenever they get back on American soil because um, it's been a hot time. But if you're ever interested in being a part of one of our global adventures, you can go on our website. There's opportunities there uh, for you to be a part of, of, of those pray about those. We have a team going back in September uh, to Greece to work with Domaris Ministries, which we also, while we were there, was able to lay the cornerstone for the building that you guys helped to raise, gave money this past Christmas. And we get, have got that, that project off the ground and going. And again, I just wanted to report that's a beautiful thing that our church is being about. Pray again for the work that's going on with Don Marie's helping women coming out of human trafficking and in the recovery. And that's what the September team's going to be going over and working with and working beside the Don Marie's ministry. So very important, awesome opportunities, lots of prayer opportunities for you. Okay, prayer. Is it just something we just fill in the blank with? Pray, pray, pray. I probably said prayer and prayed about 15 times in a matter of five minutes. What is prayer? Is it just a stopgap? People can become quite intimidated. It becomes almost like a, a, a scary thing. If you're not comfortable with it, or maybe you've, you've played around with it and you don't know if you're going to say the right things, you're going to offend God or something like that. Or, or maybe it's one of those that I have prayed, Mike, and God did not answer my prayers. God did not give me what I asked for. He, it's almost can be intimidating. Prayer can be intimidating. Prayer can be, uh, disillusioning in so many ways. But here's what prayer is. Prayer is our connection with God. It is one of the ways that we build in that intimate connection with the God of the universe. And God answers every prayer. I promise you. Mike, you're, you're not my prayers. Listen, God answers every prayer. Now, it may not be the answer that you want, but he does answer our prayers. Whenever you think about it, when God answers our prayers and our request is wrong, God says no. Because he's not going to answer our prayer that's contrary to his will or his character. So sometimes we need to evaluate our prayers, but that's an answer. Even no is an answer. When, when, if my timing is wrong, then God says, slow. You just need to slow down. It's not the time. Wait a while. Get the circumstances all lined up. Get things in order. And then we can progress forward. If my character is wrong, God says, grow. And if my request and my timing and my character is right, God says, go. 
God is moving in our prayers in so many ways. He's wanting to answer them and he will answer them in his ways. But here's what he is not. Prayer is not me here on earth in my finite mind trying to get my plan up to heaven so that God would bless my plan over his plan my character over his character, and me transform heaven. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is not my will getting into heaven, but God's will getting into me. And it's my willingness to say, okay, God, I may not be asking the right thing. I may not be in line with your will. I need to listen to your voice. And so it's me surrendering my will back to him. If you find Psalm 139 that we just read just two verses, you're going to find one of, in fact, in this room, we took a survey and let you submit what was your favorite Psalms that you would want to hear this summer in the Psalms. And I can tell you this, the winners were Psalm 23 and Psalm 139. Psalm 139 was one of the top ones submitted. If you want to hear a full-on message, Lori shared a message back in December that if you want to go online and go rewatch that, you can go back in there. We're only going to look at the back part of it and summarize some of the, the middle section of this because she did such a great job in the middle section uh, uh, back in Christmas uh, season. But I want us to what I want us to do is I want us to understand that this is actually a prayer song. He's actually praying this psalm as he's acknowledging who God is. And he ends with this, because of who you are, God, this is my prayer request. Now think about that. It's not, this is who I am, God, here's my prayer request. It's, God, here's who you are, what is my prayer request based on who you are? I know it's flipping the script. I know it's not exactly exactly what you want, when you want it, how you want it. But whenever you look at Psalm 139, you see this incredible passage of Scripture where you see the highs of the highs and the lows of the lows. Where can I go from your spirit? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I go to the depths of Sheol and darkness, you're there. Just the reality that it, 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 God is with us in our highs and in our lowest moments. He's there with us in the dark moments because what is dark to us is not dark to him, according to verse 12. Verse 12 says, even the darkness is not dark to you. Night is as bright as the day. So if you are in that season of darkness, let it be one of those that you tap into the character, the person of God, so that you understand who he is in the light of your circumstances. Verse 13 to verse 16 is probably the most quoted of all of the section of Psalm 139. Let me read it to you here. Because really what you see in, in this passage is you see God is in the macro details, whether we're in the heavens or we're in the shio, he is there in all points in between. He's in the macro, but he's also in the micro. You look at verse 13, he says, For you formed me. For you formed my inward parts, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame is not hidden from you. 
When I was being made in secret, when, when the baby is in the womb, God is knitting and bringing each individual person together. And when you understand the physiology, when you understand the biology of a child in the womb and the development of that baby, it should drive you to worship. I do believe life begins at conception because God is doing his handiwork in the womb. Whenever you look at that fearfully, wonderfully secret parts of who we are woven together in the depths of the earth, that is the God that we worship. Your eyes have seen the unformed substance and your, your book is written, every one of them, the days were formed for me. When you yet, uh, uh, when as yet, there was none of them. So I was not even breathing on this earth yet, but yet you were crafting out every day of my life. What a beautiful reality of who God is. Again, you read Psalm 139, you're going to see the character, you're going to see the omnipotence the all-powerful God. You're going to see the omnipresence of God, whether you're in the heavens or you're in the depths of, the, of despair and darkness. God is there. You're going to see the omniscience that God knows it all because he made it all and brought it. You're going to see God. And because of seeing who God is, that's going to drive you to prayer. When you look at Psalm verse, uh, verse the very first, uh, excuse me, chapter 139, verse 1 through 3, look there with me. It says, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. Listen, God is hearing your thoughts from the heavens. He's searched me. He's known me. He's discerned my thoughts. He's searched my paths. When I lie down at night and I close my eyes, he's very much present and aware of that moment. He's acquainted with all my ways, even the hidden ways of my life. I want us to understand when we come to God, we are coming to this kind of God who is not some distant God far disconnected from us, but he is intimately involved with us in our lives. Let that be what generates worship and praise out of our lives. But this is what the psalm starts with. You have, past tense searched me, you have known me, you have discerned my thoughts, but I want you to notice the end of the psalm. What does he do? He invites God back into that space. He says, search me. Hold it. You already searched me. Yeah. I want you to keep searching me. Verse 23. I want you to search me, oh God. I want you to know my heart. I want you to try my thoughts. I want you to see, is there any grievous way in me? And lead me in your everlasting way. There are two prayers that every person can pray any given day of their life. And I want to say these are the prayers that you don't know what to pray when you walk out of here. You don't want to pray when you're driving down the road. You don't know what to pray when you're in that dark moments of life, when you're in those Sheol moments, or when you're on the mountaintop moments. This is what you pray. Two prayers. Search me, God, and no, and lead me, God. Search me, lead me. When you look at these 
you see and understand a little bit more about God's interaction, the intimate interaction with us. Search me. What if you every moment of the day would live with the attitude, or what, let's, just, let's just give it once a day. What if you woke up in the morning? What if you went to bed at night and your prayers, God, search me. God, de- go deep inside of me. I want you to know me. I was walking on the streets of Athens this past week, walking by the Agora in ancient Athens where, where it was there that Socrates stood on, on a pedestal and would give out his dialogues. And the Socratic thinking of, of questioning, critical thinking came from, from, from Socrates and landed to Plato and Aristotle. Again, there's so much history in that ancient Agora area. And so we were, when I was there, even thinking about this message today, one of the statements that Socrates made years and years ago was an unexamined life is not worth living. An unexamined life is not worth living. When's the last time you put your own life under the microscope of the God of the universe and you literally invited him in? Because what would he see if he were to look? And he has already searched us, so he already knows, okay? We read that in verse 1. But let's, let's say, let's say I literally live with a posture every day of my life that I'm going to wake up with an attitude, with a posture that, yes, God, I want you to search me. I want you to examine me. What would that look like? What would he see? He would see things that we don't even see. In fact, you might look at it like this. There's, there's, there's several quadrants of your life. One is the, there's the open self. That's the self that everyone knows. You know yourself. You're, it's your Facebook profile. It's your Instagram. It's what you put out there. It's what you choose to be. It's what you hope to be maybe in your Instagram profile. It's, it's all that kind of stuff of this is who I am for the public arena to look at. That's one self. But then there's the hidden self. The hidden self is the part of me that I don't want you to see. It's information that you know about yourself, but you don't want other people to know about you. Now again, that's a whole can of worms. There are things I would dare say that some of you had, don't have not even told your spouse the one who should know everything, right? And again, there's lots of reasons for that. Is it safe? Will I be seen and loved through that? I, I, you know, there's so much to that. But then there's also the blind self. This is the things that other people know about you that you don't know about you. This is where it gets spicy. Because they smell you coming and they sense you coming and you don't even see it or smell it. These blind spots are the ones that whenever you really have a really good friend, they're going to speak truth to you, and you're not going to like what you hear, but you need to hear it. Lean in on it. And hopefully they're going to see things in you that you don't even see in you, that they're going to build up your confidence on as you move forward. But here's another section. It's the unknown self. It's the part of you that you don't know, it's the part of you that nobody else knows, but it's a part of you. It's made up who you are. It's made up your thinking, your emotions, how you respond and react. 
What do you do with this? How do I get to those spots? It's the only part that God himself knows. He knows all the other stuff. He knows the persona of the open self. But what he really knows is the unknown self. And it's in that unknown quadrant of our life that we need help going there. We need divine help getting to that point of who we are. So what do we do? We open ourselves up. We say, God of the universe who knows it all, who knows the depths of my being, the one who made me, who wove me in my mother's womb before my days, you know the days of my life. That same God, would you search me, oh God? When you search me, what I want you to, I want you to know me. I want you to know several parts of my life. I want you to do inventory on my, on my heart. So will start with that one. I want God to do inventory on my heart. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. It's that soul part of who you are. It's the eternal being of who you are. It's the part that when you die, your body dies, the soul, the heart lives forever and ever. It's that is the most important. That's the redeemed part of God. But it's redeeming work of God that continues on. A man's heart is deep waters, the Bible says. Deep waters. There'll be people who tell you, follow your heart. I want to tell you, don't follow your heart. Because it's your heart that will lead you astray. Unless you've done the searching and the testing and the proving. Hey, Mike, you're, you're being very negative here. I'm just trying to be realistic. I'm trying to be that friend who talks to the blind self. Because the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it, Jeremiah said. But the very next verse says this, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. So I don't even see the deceptiveness of my own heart. I don't see it, so what do I have to do? I have to turn to somebody who does see it, and who is the person who sees it, but it's the God of the universe. He's the one who can see when nobody else can see that unknown self. Proverbs 17.3 says, The Lord tests hearts. Jeremiah 11.20, O Lord of hosts who judges righteously, who tests the hearts and the mind. This part of, of, of your journey through life and connecting with God and being able to pray to God, that this is going to require a tremendous amount of vulnerability and humility. Am I willing to go to spaces that nobody else has gone and I don't even want to go there myself? God seems sometimes like he's wrong or mean or pater too paternalistic or archaic to follow a, a God that I can't see. But listen, this is the God who made you, who wove you into your mother's womb, who knows your days. There's the inventory of the heart. There's the inventory of the mind. Not only, now by the way, you'll notice that he says, search me, know my heart, try me. He does three parallels. A parallel, parallelism is huge in Psalms. And it's basically saying the same thing three different ways, okay? So he'll say, search me. He'll say, try me. He'll say, see me, okay? You see those in the passage. 
And what he's, and all of that he's doing is he's saying, God, I'm an open book to you. I'm inviting you into my soul. I'm inviting you now into my mind. It's opening ourselves up so that God can speak and be truth in our lives. Prove me, O Lord, and try me and test my heart and my mind, Psalm 26. Psalm 26, 2 says, prove me, O Lord, and try me and test my heart and my mind. Now, you know what happened in 2020. Well, 2021 wasn't much better. But I put it, I I read quite a bit, and, and so I put at the top of my 2021 list the number one book that I read I read it actually twice in 2021. 2021, uh, 20, and then 20, again in 2021. Into the Silent Land by Martin Laird. I'd recommend everybody read it. It's deep. It's not going to be easy read, but it's going to be powerful. And this is what he says about the mind. The mind, obsessive, running in tight circles generates and sustains an anguish that forms a mental cage in which we live much of our lives or what we take to be our lives. Again, that's that known, unknown. We believe this lie and our life becomes a cocktail party, a posturing masquerade in order to hide the anxiety and ignorance of who we truly are. The mind's obsessive running, the mental cage in which we live much of our lives, the posturing masquerading that we go through. Our mind is a part of what God is redeeming and working in. I need to say not only my heart, God, but my mind. Where are my thoughts? Because the scripture makes it clear, God, that I have the mind of Christ, that I'm supposed to have my mind renewed in Romans 12, 1, that remind, uh, renewing of my mind in Christ Jesus, that, that, that I'm supposed to think on these things in Philippians 4.8. I'm supposed to love you with my mind, Matthew 22. The mind is a part of, 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 of how we engage with our Heavenly Father. Beatrice's sister, Margaret Mary Funk, that's a title and a name, right? Only when I sensed the power of my thoughts and was able to renounce them could I hear the ever so small voice of God deep inside. If we do not get our thoughts captured, they will capture us. So it's an inventory of the hearts, an inventory of the mind, it's an inventory of the hands. Now a lot of people would go, okay, I need God. Am I doing okay? Is what I'm busy about, is this your will? That, that's the kind of mindset that we might naturally go to. It's just to talk about what we're doing. He says, if there is any grievous way in me, if there's anything that I'm doing that's not pleasing to you, God, I want to know about it. I want to see it. I don't see what I don't know. I, I don't know what I don't see. God, I need you to help me to see what I'm doing and if it, what I'm doing is wrong. But here's, the, here's, here's just a life principle for you. A behavior is never the problem. It is only the symptom of the problem. A behavior that is not right is actually just pointing to something 
deeper inside of us that needs to be made right. And sometimes it's not even what you're thinking it could be. Warren Wiersbe said, wrong ideas about God will ultimately lead to wrong ideas about who we are and what we should do. And this leads to a wrong life and a wrong path toward the wrong destiny. Intimacy in marriage has been defined for a long time of being fully known and fully loved. Fully known and fully loved. The God of the universe wants to be literally in a marriage relationship with you where you're fully known by him and fully loved. There's a beauty in that. There's a power in that. But I want to say this very clearly. You got to be willing to go search me, God, and wait and listen. Because the next prayer is this, lead me. Now, I know a lot of people are going to want to go, hey, God, I want to know your will for my life. That's good. Good prayer. Hey, God, should I make this move or that move? Is this the person to marry? Is this the job to go to? Is this the school to go to? Is this, is this whatever? Fill in the blank. I need to know your will, God. And that's not a bad prayer. But if you've not done the searching on the front end, then you can easily chase a rabbit trail in the wrong way. We need to ask God to lead us, yes, but it is after he has first searched us. And we're allowing ourselves to go, okay, God, you've identified this is what needs to be made right. So now I want you to lead me from the wrong to the right. Lamentations 3.40 says, let us test and examine our ways and then return to the Lord. A part of living out his will is allowing him to speak into our life in such a way. And listen, because it could be that relationship you're in right now. And it could be that attitude you're possessing right now. And it could be that arrogance that you're hanging on to right now. That sense of rightness that sense of entitlement. And you might be due every bit of that, whatever that is. But if you're not willing to submit to his leading, I go back to what Devin shared a few weeks ago. Is the Lord really your shepherd? If you're not following, is he your shepherd? Psalm 143 verse 10 says, teach me to do your will. That's a good prayer. For you are my God. It's a good prayer. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Martin Led, if I go back to him in his book, Into the Silent Land, he tells the story of a guy who had, who had four carrier blue terriers. I didn't even know what those dogs were until I had to look them up. Beautiful dogs, playful. This guy had four terrier dogs and he would take them out into the park and he would let them off their leash and three of the four would just take off running and just chase each other and chase their tails and chase anything that was in front of them. But one did not. One just ran in circles around the master. Just ran in circles. Finally, Martin goes up to the guy after seeing him in the park several days and wanted to know why he kept running in these tight circles. He said, it's because this one I got as a rescue dog. 
And all he lived for in his life up until I got him was inside of a cage with all the bounding energy that he had. All he could do was run in circles inside of his cage. And now that he's free, he only knows to run in circles. Listen, whatever cage you metaphorically have been living in, you will only continue to run in those tight circles until you have been set free by the God who wants to set you free. Psalm 127 verse, 124 verse 7, my heart is like a bird. My heart like a bird has escaped or my soul, some translations say my soul like a bird has escaped from the snare of the fowler. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Today, you might have noticed when you came in, there are elements around the room as we observe the Lord's Supper. But I wonder how many of us are like a bird who's been caged and God is wanting to set you free. And maybe your first move before you move to one of these tables is this, this move right here. Search me, O oh God. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my ways. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me. Maybe it's giving your life to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I need you to set me free. Like a bird in a cage, like a terrier from a cage, I need you to be set me free from where I am. And when you come to 1 Corinthians, where it talks about the Lord's Supper, when it talks about encouraging us in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight, it literally gives us three imperative commands. Look at this verse here very carefully. It says, let a person examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So one of the commands is to eat this bread that we will take today. And what we'll do is we'll let you free to go to, to any of these tables. I think we have three in the back. We have two across the front. Go to the cl table closest to you, wherever. Take the bread element. If you so choose, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're in right relationship with him, take that bread, take the cup and step aside. Go back to your seat or find another spot in the room and have your holy communion with God. But eat the bread first. But then it says to drink, to drink the cup. The cup represents the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ. You think about that liquid that pourses through all of the, 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 the cavities and the crevices and the cracks of our life. You can pour water and it will find the crack. Well, you can pour the blood and let the blood of Christ find the cracks of our life. But before the very first imperative command is to examine. Examine yourself. Examine your heart. Ask God. Invite God into this space. And then eat and then drink. So what we're going to do is we're going to give the service back to you. This is your time. But I do encourage you to pause and examine and invite God into that space. If you've never given your life to Jesus, start there. 
and then come tell me about it afterwards. If you need to renew your life because it's not been in line with his will, do it and do it now. Father, we invite you in. Because it's not enough for me to examine me and to say that I'm okay. I need you to examine me. I need you to search me. I need you to try me. I need you to see me. I need you to lead me. And Father, if there's any space in my mind, in my heart, in my ways that does not align to you, either repent or help me to repent and turn away here and now, right now, or just refrain from taking this meal. Lord, help us to repent and realign ourselves in every area of our life that you show us. You just continue on in your examination with the Lord and if and when you are ready, you can make your way to the tables. Thanks for listening to the Grace Point Church Podcast. To stay up to date on all things GPC, follow us at Grace Point NWA on Facebook or Instagram. As you go, be people who show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Live Sent.